Today we're going to talk about grass carp. Are they uh, something you should stock in your pond or lake? How many should you stock? And what kind of plants will they eat? It's a great question, Matt. And I'm not going to try the scientific name because it's basically too hard for me to pronounce. But <laughs> lots to talk about here. There are yeses, there's noes, and we'll get into it. Welcome to Sitting Dockside. This podcast is for people who dig ponds and lakes as much as we do. On this podcast, we're going to bring the most knowledgeable people from all over the country. Talk about wildlife, fisheries, lake construction, lake management. Sit them down, hang out, and just talk some shop. I'm your host, Matt Rail. I've been working with lakes and ponds for over 20 years. And during that time, I've picked up on a ton of tips and tricks from lake and pond owners all over the country. So if you want to learn how to catch some smiles for your kids and grandkids off your lake or how to grow some memories off your pond, then come sit with us, sitting dockside. A couple topics I want to talk about, Troy. And I'm fired up. I'm fired up every time I get to talk to you, Matt. We just got done talking with a guy that gave you so many accolades. I can't even, I mean, I can't even compare to you. I mean, it's, it's very disheartening to understand that I can't live up to the legend that is Matt Rail. Well, I mean, you'll get there. Couple, couple, uh, one day more diet sun drops. You haven't even plugged it. You haven't plugged it. I did. I, I held it up earlier. Oh, did you? It's, okay. It's empty. It's not quite empty. Boy, that's a that's a foul. Yeah, you left a a driblet. It's empty now. <laughs> that little bottom non-carbonated piece wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's from last week. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my third one today so uh, oh. it's very high in caffeine but if caffeine affects me like this it's a it does not affect me the way it affects most people really absolutely that's not great so you ever uh you, you stocking grass carp this week no i haven't stocked grass carp in a long time really yeah um, and several reasons for that. Um, I used to just have kind of a standard, Hey, we're going to stock five grass carp per acre when we stock your lake type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, got away from that because a lot of times lakes just don't have vegetation issues. And then you have these big grass carp that just kind of hang, hang out. out around your fish feeders and disturb your, disturb the fish that you're really trying to feed your bluegill and stuff. And they're so big and aggressive. They just kind of run everything else off. So. I haven't stocked them in a long time. Really? You want to hear my spiel on grass carp? I do. Grass carp are never going to eliminate a lot of herbicides, people are going to think. If you have a weed right. problem and it's 100% covered and you're going to use grass carp to solve that, then that is not what you should do. Uh, That's right. Because you'll end up stocking too many grass carp. And I will have, I absolutely use grass carp. I stock them in a lot of places and I use them as, as a management strategy is it helps me basically buffer the ways that the vegetation is able to grow out. They have a very selective palate. So they're going to go eat certain foods, certain foods first. So they'll actually eradicate one plant before they'll move on to another. And so you have to know what that is. They love very fleshy things like Southern Naiad and, and, and really soft stuff. They love Cara early in the spring, but not late in the fall. 
when it's calcium. Yeah, Kara gets pretty Kara gets pretty uh, rough, stony. I guess you could yeah. say rough. Um, they love hydrilla, uh, so they're a common stocking in large reservoirs to control the exotic hydrilla. Um, but people do think they're kind of a one size fits all type of deal, and they're not. Uh, they don't like species of, of milfoil. They hate milfoil. And curly, uh, they'd rather eat. Yeah, and they would rather eat. They'd rather eat black grass clippings from shore than they would to eat milfoil. So, um, and, and and some plants, if you're doing like coontail, seratophyllum demersum, the rate has to be pretty high of grass carp. Right. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I I don't stock them in the beginning simply because I would prefer to see if and what vegetation is going to grow. And what we're learning about grass carp stocking, the old thing where you throw 15 per acre in the pond and let it ride is not really what should be done anymore. If you're going to do it and do it properly, there should be staggered stockings of grass carp where you put in uh, a certain number per acre. And then after about two years, you put in smaller fish again and you stagger the stocking over the course of many years. And they do much better that way, especially in large reservoirs. Yeah, every, um, every I think you're hitting it. Every, uh, you know, if it's a fish hatchery, bringing it, bringing it out, aren't is they are not going to love to hear this. But what we say, and I really have a hard time of stocking grass carp on surface acreage. It is acreage of vegetation. Acreage so, of vegetation. That's correct. That is that's correct. So we do uh, a lot of times if you're what good fisheries, we do five per acre surface acreage of vegetation. If you want, a fishery is a high priority. If you if aesthetics is a high priority, then you can go a higher number than that. The state of Indiana says ten per surface acreage, so we're well below that. So, but five is in, was my Mendoza line. Do you know what Mendoza line means? I don't. It's the the there's a guy last name is Mendoza, and he was the most average baseball player ever. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the average, the most average hitting percentage and yeah so that's always called the mendoza line so you could go either way less or more my mendoza line is zero on initial stockings well um, surface acreage of vegetation is where i'm at five per surface acreage so initial stockings different so i want to be clear i'm i'm if it's a new pond we may throw one or two in there just so we don't have any gigantic issues but but again, it's pretty much, we don't stock them at initial stock. It's not an And stock. I'll just tell you, I mean, it, there's no secret that I love herbicides. Um, and if herbicides are used properly and timed properly with any species, uh, including uh, native perennial seed bearing species, if it's timed properly within two seasons, you can pretty well eliminate a, a colony of, of vegetation in a private impoundment. Right, uh, and you're not left with you're not left with thirty and forty pound grass carp, which are fun to bow fish for, great bow fishing. Mm -hmm. But you're not left with thirty and forty pound grass carp that are going to be there for many, 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 many years. So right. that's a, it's a neat point of view. Uh, we uh, again, we use them as more of a stabilization, you know, a management stabilization, so you never have the holy smokes moment like just covered with vegetation it, everything running out they're working for you you know 24 7 to kind of keep things from and and they're at a light number and then we what i call salt them in we 
basically if we got a little bit more vegetation that year than we really wanted we'll add a handful more and then you can get to that to that perfect uh perfect number but don't be throwing a bunch of grass carp in at, right off the bat thinking you're going to go 10 or 15 per surface acreage and then it's going to eradicate your weeds where well, the weeds are gone and you still have all these fish that are just gobbling up all your fish fish food at your feeder right you know, and I think there are, I think there are instances in a career where you do something and you go, yeah, man, I just completely overkilled that. There's one, there's one lake in particular. It's about an 80 acre lake that I manage. Um, it's gone through two owners, but the original owner, there was probably 90% uh, serrata, coontail, seratophyllum demersum coverage. Uh, so we went in and we did a fluoridone application to control it, uh, but we knew there'd be some residual. So we did a bunch of grass carp. And I'm talking about nothing will grow in there. Nothing. I mean, if it if it pops its head up, it's I mean, there it's done. And this has been this has been longer than what I really thought grass carp would survive. This has been 14, 12, 14 years ago. Um, and we've just got grass carp everywhere. Um, and if I could go back in time and 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 do something different, I probably would not have added grass carp in that scenario and just done the uh, fluoridone application. So right. um, I want to hit on one more thing. Fleshy pallets. They eat, love things that are fleshy. The plants they don't eat. And we'll say is, and you'll say it a hundred times, Troy, is that the first thing you need to do if you have a plant that's a problem is identify what the heck it is. And identify. Identify, identify when we're going to hammer on that. But the Don't use common names. <laughs> I'm going to use the common names. Most people are going to, going to understand them. Like watermeal. Do grass carp. No, they don't. They don't. Water, water, watermill is wolfia. Yep. You and can, uh, you can use tilapia to control that, but not. But you have to do about two hundred pounds per surface acre of coverage uh, with tilapia. But mm. um, grass carp will not eat it. So that's interesting. The uh, duckweed, not a... L- lemna. <laughs> yeah. I'll just keep it up. Limna, it's limna sp. Yeah, sp. The uh, curly leaf pondweed comes out too early. Grass carp don't eat it very well. Potomagetan crispus. Yep. Uh, then Eurasian water millful. It's too stimmy. They they will eat it, but the man they don't really love to eat no stems. That's Maryophyllum. That's Maryophyllum spicatum. And just like it, they get them often confused. Is coontail. Seratophilum demersum. Man, you're just your professionalism. You need to start the compliments on your end. So I'm very yeah. good, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, those are the plants I would not. Now, other than that, I'm talking a lot of the pond weeds. Oh, floating pond weed is not a great one either. They don't love that. Cattails, not really. Cattails, uh, no, nothing, no emergent. They don't they don't like emergent species. But if it's so fleshy not- and and submerged, they they it sounds like we said a lot of the plants, but we left, that's only like 10% of the plants and they'll, they'll eat whatever's left on that back end of that. So did we miss anything? Grass carp? No, hold on. I got oh, wait, 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 the big important one. You got to make sure your state is illegal in what state. Some states only do triploid here in the Midwest and in South we, we work. It's only triploid, but there's, there's some. It's triploid. It's, it's triploids in most states now. Um, Good. There may be there may be a couple of southeastern states that do diploidy, but uh, it's mostly triploidy grass carp. White amur, 
Tenfergen, whatever that name is. I can't just say their name. Uh, uh, and by the way, floating uh, pond weed is Potomagetan Natans. Mm. I hadn't looked that. I hadn't looked that up because I did not know the common name floating pond weed. Yes, oh, a floating. That's a leaf on the surface. That is actually a floating leafed vegetation that comes from the bottom to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> Roger on that. So. Uh, <clears throat> Make sure strip Lloyd stay, check your state agency. That's probably we should have led with that. But the uh, uh, make sure they're able to do it here in uh, in the Midwest right now. You have to stock them at the lake, and so make sure your regulations um, fall in fall in place there. Yeah, and look, some states even go to the go to the level of um, in Tennessee, for example, they have to be strip Lloyd, but some states they have to be certified triploid. Like the state agency has to go to the hatchery occasionally and actually certify, no, it's not even state agency, I think it's a federal agency, goes and certifies that those grass carp are, are triploid to grass carp. So right. um, it's very important. You get in lots of trouble if you don't do it right. And yeah. I mentioned tilapia, and there's lots of states where you can't stock tilapia. So check your state regs. That's it. I think we wrapped that one up pretty good. Yeah, me too. This podcast, Sitting Dockside, is brought to you by Private Water Natural Resource Association, a nonprofit built just to educate private pond and lake owners on water quality and fisheries and all of that good stuff. There's videos, there's places to read, and there's a community built right into that website. So if you want to learn more, jump to pwnra.org and click and by all means, make sure that this continues in the future. Podcast, education, video, become a member. If nothing else, there's tons of platforms. YouTube, Facebook, just hit like, send a comment. We appreciate everything you can do here at PWNRA.